very appropriate question. The one who initially asked it was 80 years old. Certainly was appropriate. But then it is everyone's irrespective of age for no one has the slightest idea how long he or she will live on this earth. Death visits the members of the human race at all levels from infancy through to the most advanced stage of life. So I think it's it's inappropriate for you or me to ask ourselves this moment, how long have I to live? What do you want to accomplish before the death angel come and take you out of here? Are you prepared to die before a twinkling of an eye when the last breath leaves you, you'll be in heaven or hell one? I can say with surety that when the last breath comes out of this body, I'll be in heaven. But I believe it's the most alarming question. Since you do not know the extent of your life, you should be alarmed lest it suddenly ends and you find yourself unprepared for the world to come. God said in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, we probably all know this verse, but he, it's appointed unto man to die. So I know I'm going to die sometime. But it's the second part of that that would scare me to death if I was lost. Because he says, it's appointed and the man wants to die. But after this, the judgment. If you are still living a life of sin and neglect of your soul, how alarmed you should be lest death comes unexpectedly. Notice with me in the book of Luke, Chapter 16. When we look at this account, and we've read it about the rich man, but in Luke 16, verse 22, and it came to pass that the beggar died and he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And see of Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. 
Think about that. You may say, oh, I don't think about dying a lot. I don't think about dying hardly ever because I got reservations in heaven paid up and it'll happen so quickly. God talks about the rapture, two be in the field, one taking the other left. Can you imagine that feeling? You're walking through the fields of clover and one is saved and one is lost. The rapture takes place and that one is lost is left. But they can't figure out where the saved one went. Well, the saved one will be in the arms of Jesus before that body is dismissed. The rich man died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. Immediately, from the worst life you think you could possibly have here on earth, to a burning hell. So you're trying to scare us. No, I learned a long time ago I can't preach hell hot enough to scare anybody. It takes the Holy Spirit. But I also know where my responsibility comes at, and, and that is uh, my job is to tell as many people that will listen how to escape that place called hell. It is an awakening question. It is designed to awaken you to see the need to prepare for eternity. Because you do not know how long you have to live. What is strange about death is that you to be in this building and what the doctor said, I'll just give you an A+. A plus. There's nothing I can find wrong with you. And you leave that doctor's office, you have a massive heart attack and die before you get in the car. So that can't happen. Why can't it? God said it's appointed that a man wants to die. Makes no difference whether you're walking in the park or you're eating to the finest restaurant or you're laying in bed or you're talking to your best friend. When it's your appointed time, you're going to go. You say, well, I just don't think about that. (laughs) I spent a few minutes this week with a young lady on the phone and she said, I understand that you've taught financial freedom for some time. I said, yeah, I have. She said, I, uh, I've got a, a spending problem. No, ma'am, you don't have a spending problem. You've got a sin problem. That's 
That's what you got. And you're going to die sooner or later. And your lack of funds will be the least thing on your agenda. Because you do not know how long you have to live since you are presently without Christ. But essentially, essentially that you take serious steps to prepare to meet God. See, God didn't just say, look down and said, there's James Thomas Vance. He needs to be saved. I'm going to save him. But he began to work on me and he used people to bring the gospel to my attention. And, you know, people invited me to church and a lot of different things. There may be a lost friend of yours that if they die today, they'd go to hell. Have you ever told them about Jesus? They know. I believe that if you've had opportunity and didn't take it, you'll stand before God one day, and that will be rolled before you. Because it is everybody's responsibility that knows Jesus Christ. If you can't talk to them, at least live it in front of them. Look at church websites. Baptist, independent missionary. They're having a church function with the women don't have enough clothes on to cover my little puppy if they were still living. So that's none of your business. No, but it's the church's business. What are those steps so you will know how long have I to live? To begin with, you need to recognize there is only one way of salvation. What did God say in John fourteen six? Christ said, I am the way. No man cometh unto the Father by, but by me. You know what most people tell me that when I get down to the business of them being saved, they'll say, I'm working on it. You're wasting your time. You're working on it? What can you possibly do without the Spirit of God leading you that would be beneficial to your salvation? Zero. First of all, you need to be under the word of God. And don't be satisfied when they say, I started a church and it's some little rinky-dink place where the people have gathered and they got a female up there preaching. You think God was there? You say, well, I don't know. Well, I know. God don't call women to preach. 
And some of the men that are behind the pulpit with mommy calls. Understand also there is only one means of entering upon the way. As God said in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. For by grace are we saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Clearly then, sinners saved through the means of faith. Luke 18. Luke, the 18th chapter, and verse 42. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Notice now. Thy faith has saved thee. What's your problem? What's my problem? Faith in Jesus can correct that problem. Or you can uh, uh, you know we can do a lot of things you know we can uh, do this we can do that. But faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can save you. Being religious will never make you go to heaven or permit you to go to heaven or allow you to go to heaven. It takes faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Just what is that faith that saves? Well, let's let's look in the book of Romans. In the book of Romans, God said in Romans chapter 3, And verse 19, Romans 3, 19, God said, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, because of what's in verse 19. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. This book, along with the Holy Spirit, is your teacher. And you know... 
my daughter taught school for a year. That's all she could take because they won't let teachers teach. Congregations won't let preachers preach. But God said, God said, now we know that what things soever the law saith is saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, because of what's in the previous verse, By the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. This book just tells you what sin is. But preacher, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, you go into a home where some teenager is having problems, and you got to tell the mother, could you please get dressed if you're going to sit in here while I'm talking to your daughter? Except for this, her house. She invited me in. I didn't just come in and, you know, you know what that showed me? She had no respect for God or God's man. I learned from the best. Me and Brother Bill was out on visitation one night. The lady, so both of us went in. And she got talking and she said, excuse me, I'll be right back. She went in and put on something that she shouldn't have put on. Brother Bill looked at me and said, it's time for us to go. That's when I was first saved. See, it's our responsibility when the object is in front of us to ask them to do something about that or we just leave. Because it's their house. If they want to go around the house naked, that's their business. But don't invite two preachers in. Can you hear me preach? God is need to be respected. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no man be justified in his sight. See, until you realize your guilt and, and helplessness, you can never be saved. For Christ came not to call the righteous, according to Mark 2.17. But what did he do? He didn't come to call the righteousness, but... Sinners to repentance. My job is to reach sinners for the Lord. And the reason that I may preach a little stronger than some of you think I should, my main audience right now is on Facebook Live, Sermon Audio, I get notes from telephone calls. How do you get by with preaching that way? 
Because God called me. God called me. But don't feel sorry for me. If you're saved, God called you also. He called you out of a world of darkness so that you could be the shining light. Amen? Amen? Just what is that faith that saves? Saving faith convinces a man of his guilt and liabilities to himself. I mean, that's what Paul said in Romans chapter 3. That's what he was talking about. We need to preach the word of God and expect the Lord to do something with it. Until you and I realize that our guilt, helplessness, you can never be saved for Christ came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Furthermore, saving faith believes that God has provided salvation through his Son whom he sent into the world. By the way, this is not King James's word. This is God's word. Amen. And if God was right here one-on-one, if you can read this and don't believe it, you wouldn't believe Jesus Christ if he was standing across the, from a desk with you. Amen. This is his word. Amen. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So I just, you know, there's sometimes, you know, you, you know, I remember the first time I picked up Caitlin, you know, I was just telling Linda, just talking about her grandchildren, when I get down and out, I'm, if Caitlin happened to drop by, she's 27 years old, just like she was 18 months, she lifts me up. What grandchildren are for? They lift you up. I don't care whether they're two years old or 45. Doesn't Christ do the same thing for you? Saving faith convinces a man of his guilt and inability to save himself. Furthermore, saving faith believes that God has provided salvation. God has provided. Nobody else. There's no salvation in church membership. There's no salvation in patterning your life after me. The only salvation is in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He walked upon this earth 33 and a third years as your example, as my example. He was talked about, spit upon, you name it, it happened to him. Why did he do it? So sinners like me could be saved. Hey. 
y'all ever listen to Joey, Joel Osteen? Is that his name? I was really bored this week. I got on Facebook and I listened to him about five minutes. If he isn't a funny guy, I'm not standing before you. I mean, that man is sick. He is sick. All he was saying is that if you know Christ, there will be no problem in your life. Do you know Christ? Do you want to know Christ? You look out there and that auditorium is full. You know what I'm going to say next, don't you? It takes more than religion to get you glory. takes more than religion. In the book of Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, God said, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Who gave you the authority to preach? My heavenly Father. And if you're not going to follow him, Why pretend? Took me back to when I first got out of school. I was working for Merkworth Farm where my brother-in-law worked. I thought I'd make big money, you know, 70 cents an hour. Man. There was another guy working, and he said, I don't like using a weed hook. Harlan said, then quit. What's that got to do with anything? If you don't want to follow Christ, why did you volunteer or make believe that you wanted to be one of his? True Christians follow the Lord at different rates. We all grow different like kids do. As Christians, we grow different. But you know, you've heard the saying out of the mouth, you know, of a child. It just comes so much wisdom sometimes. And a mother told her daughters, she said, you know, you're going to school, it costs tax money to build the school, it costs tax money to have teachers, and it costs money for us to send you to school, why don't you try to listen? Why don't you try to take it in? The child was out of, out of place, but she was right. She said, Mom, you go to church every Sunday, you put some money into the offering plate, why don't you follow the preacher? Now, I don't know what happened to that child after I left, but under my breath, I said, hey, man, preach it, young girl, preach it. See, that's the problem with so much of our young people. The example is gone. How long, how long have I to live? Let me tell you, God knows exactly when you was going to be born, and God knows exactly when you're going to leave here. So he's already figured in 
when you're going to die. And disobedience will cause you to leave early, humanly speaking. Did you get that last part? Therefore, saving faith believes that the Jesus of Nazareth alone is a promised Savior. That's what 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between man and God, and that's Christ Jesus. That's the only way you can get to God is through the mediator. Amen. You don't have no choice. Baptism won't get it. Going to church won't get it. Stop smoking, stop drinking, stop cussing. Those are good attributes. But they won't get you to heaven. But being convinced of all these truths, saving faith, then rests on the all-sufficient Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is able to save them to the uttermost that come to him. Hebrews 7, 25. In other words, the sacrificial death is an all-sufficient payment for sin. When Christ gave up that ghost, he was on that cross these six hours. Nothing else is needed. All you got to do is accept what he did. And when you do, when you do that for real, the Holy Spirit enter you. And you may say, I don't know what to do. Well, first thing that a saved person ought to do is is to find one of his kind of churches and become a member. Not just on roll, but an active, praying member. See, I realize that even in our church, we don't have a lot of people that can go out visiting. We don't have a lot of people you know, that can do what we did when we were 30 years younger than what we are, you know. But we can still pray. And if our young people and, and the preachers that I fellowship with, we all agree with one thing, each generation is getting weaker. Each generation is getting more worldly and still calling themselves Christians. And when I think about the young babies that are being born, God help them because our government and the world will not. But Acts... 1631 is still true. You know, it says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. That is the only answer to being saved is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you believe on him, a change takes place. 
you can't find nothing that will replace a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Had a person I respect very much asked me, came by to see me, and that's the first one of my friends. I just maybe that's the only friend I have because she'll she'll soon be dead a year. And that's the only one friend that has came by the house and said, I want to tell you that I'm I heard about your loss and I'm you know, I'm sorry. He said, but the good thing is you'll soon forget about her. And after I stopped shaking, I said, that was the most stupidest statement I've ever heard in my life. I guess y'all forgot about your mom and your dad and people that was a blessing to you. I mean, they've been dead a year, two years, five years. The only love that is stronger than that love is the love that Christ bestowed upon me. He gave up everything so that I could be saved. Everything. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, died for me, was buried for me, arose for me and he's coming back for me. And I told my friend and I said as far as my wife she's already experiencing what I'm longing So God tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ is able to save them to the uttermost that comes unto God by him. And he tells us in Hebrews not to forsake the assembling because on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, Wednesday night at 7.30, and I'm still not 100% bought into Facebook Live. But I'll tolerate it until something else comes better or we can go back to the real thing. You can't worship God anywhere else. You can't worship God anywhere else. And I already had several people say, well, prove that to me. That's the easiest thing I can do except tell you how to be saved. And lies as we close. Saving faith assures all who trust in Christ alone that all of his righteousness is applied personally to them. Turn to Romans. Turn to Romans. As
as we look at Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 7, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. I'm a blessed man. You're a blessed man, Steve? Everybody in here that's saved ought to say, I'm a blessed man. I'm a blessed woman. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. My past sins, my future sins, and then comes along some intelligent professor and said, but what about the sins you committed now? He chose me before he built the house. You know, I don't, I don't mind dealing with young people that's been saved a few years, but people have been saved older than I am. And man, what do you do? Watch the little house on the prairie over and over. This assurance can be yours if you will, but repent. Mark 1.15 talks about repent and believe the gospel. I urge you as we close, if you're here and not saved, repent. The last scripture we'll use is Isaiah 55.6, where Isaiah said, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he's near. You know what he's saying, and, and you have experienced it. I have experienced it. There's many times before God saved me that, well, at least I'll think I'll start going down to the little church, you know. At least it'll make my family happy. Or it'll make somebody happy. But it didn't amount to anything until... God put me there. I'm being honest when I said for weeks I left that little old building down on Penn Avenue, looked at my wife and said, I don't know about you. I won't stop you from going, but I'm not going back here no more. There's 30 people in this building. He don't talk to nobody but me. See, what I didn't know then that I know now, oh, yeah, he was talking to me. He was talking to everybody. But when God saved me, Sister Henrietta, he was talking to me. Out of all the people in the world, he called me by name. Have you been called? Has God called you out? We don't give you an opportunity to hear us a song later, the pianist comes. 